Well, all right, everybody, let's uh, make our way back to our seats this morning. So good to see you guys officially here this morning, New Life Church. Everybody doing well? Good. What a morning so far. What a morning so far. I don't know if you if you if you caught this or not. A few of you have in, in conversations in the greeting. We're making history today, you know, or God is. God is making history, or we're making His story. Get to pay a, plot, a part in that, but answers to prayer all the way around. Uh, how many of you enjoyed our drummer this morning? Yeah. I didn't know if you noticed she's a girl. So. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. My my wife said, "Hey, we got a chick drummer. How cool is our church?" <laughs> but uh, Megan, Megan, and, and her her husband James, they're they've been coming to the church for just a, a few weeks or a little over a month, month and a half. They're praying about where God wants them, but while while here, they're they're they said we want to sow our gift, and so we're we're appreciative of people like that, and uh, we pray God will land you here. And uh, but we know it's it, we know wherever God has you, you'll be a blessing. But it's so good to to have you here, and uh, you know. God's faithful to His Word, Amen. And so, it's pretty cool. Listen, um, I want to want to prepare. God, we have a special guest with us today, personal friend of mine um, that I've known for about 15 years or so, and uh, it's pretty exciting. But in, in setting his introduction up to you, I want to I want to read these three verses to you out of Psalm 145, the Psalm of David. David said, "I will extol you, my God, my King." I will bless your name forever and ever, and every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Our God really is great, and He's so great in our lives, in many ways, so many ways, but I think it's really great that I get to talk about his greatness in introducing my friend and brother to you today, because as New Life Church, we're just over a year old as New Life Church, and God has already opened the doors and blessed us as a congregation to be faithful to the Great Commission and to be partners with other friends and ministries in the gospel that our church has stretched arms from Jackson, Tennessee all the way to the tip of South Africa. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Greg and his wife Kristen moved to South Africa from Tennessee uh, almost eight years ago and they pine, they're pioneering a missionary work called First Love Africa. And he's going to share a lot about that and what they're doing and show some pictures. And he's going to bring the word to us today. But Greg graduated UTK uh, with a degree in electrical engineering. Worked in that field for 11 years. And every year he made a trip to South Africa to go and check on what he believed was his place where God was calling him, him to be for ministry, and every year he sowed seed there, 
And then, like I said, nearly eight years ago, God said it's time to go and sent he and his family over and began this work, this missionary work called First Love Africa. They do a whole lot of things he's going to share about. But I'm excited that I get to introduce him to our church and their ministry to our church because God is, is already beginning to use us in greater ways than what I ever thought was possible, that we get to reach out beyond ourselves, not only here in this community, but God allows us to, to go across the globe into South Africa and help share the hope of the message of Jesus Christ. And so would you help me welcome our dear friend and brother in Christ, Greg Evans. Good morning. How's everyone? Good, good, good. I want, I want to thank uh, Jeremy and Haley. I, I actually, Jeremy, I met you 19 years ago. It was right on 19. I'm, I graduated UT in 97, and I moved to Memphis, and Jeremy and I were both part of uh, Christ the Rock at that time, and that was where I met him. So it's, it's been a while. Good friends, you know, good friends last for a long time. But it's good to be here this morning. So thankful to be able to come and just be able to share with the church and, and tell you all about about us. I've, uh, my voice is a little scratchy this morning. I apologize for that. Friday morning at 5 a.m. your time, I begin traveling here. Last night at 10 p.m., I arrived. That's 41 hours. Yeah, that's a long time. So, uh, so it's a little bit quite of a journey on, on getting here, but I'm so glad I'm here this morning. So glad to be here and, and be able to worship with you. Incredible, incredible time so far. But let me, let me start out with uh, telling you about my family. Um, I was married, um, what, 10 years ago in December. We celebrated 10 years in December. And we've got three boys. I've got some pictures. Let's, let's see if we can. This is my baby boy. His name is Asa. He's uh, named after one of the kings in the Bible. And I tell him he's my king, and he knows he's the king. Um, he, this is my oldest son, Isaiah. You would pronounce it Isaiah, but everybody in South Africa says Isaiah, so I figured that would be a good name for him. So that's Isaiah. Um, Asa, the first one, is three years old, turned three in February. Isaiah is six, and that is my priest. That's Ezra. And that, that boy is always um, bringing joy into your life. I was, uh, just, just the other day, I was traveling. I travel a good bit, and my wife sent me a message, and she was, she was home, and our youngest son had been a little bit sick, had, had some congestion and stuff, and she had told him not to be running, but for a three-year-old boy, uh, that doesn't happen very often. And she was in the kitchen, and this one came running through. She said he blasted through the kitchen, and then following him came my baby boy, Asa, right behind him, and she stopped him. Asa said, stop, stop running. And, uh, you know, maybe this is something you don't experience here in the great U.S. of A., but my youngest boy says, that guy just stole all of my money. <laughs> He's exposed to petty theft a lot, so <laughs> I guess that was the game they were playing. But those are incredible boys, and that is my beautiful wife. Her name is Kristen. We've been married, um, like I said, 10 years, and she is an incredible uh, blessing to me. She and the boys are uh, home in South Africa, um, taking care of everything there. But she told me this morning to greet you all. She would have loved to have been here. And uh, she, she is incredible 
uh, for what God has given me. But uh, that, that is my family. Let me tell you a little bit about um, the ministry we're doing. When I um, was, was, at, was at Crash the Rock with Jeremy, um, I took my first trip with my spiritual father, Phil Beekler, to South Africa in 1999. And um, as, as we were there, and I was, I was walking that morning and praying, I just heard God tell me, this is going to be your home. This is where I've called you. And at the time, I was just three years out of university working as an electrical engineer, and God had blessed me with an incredible job. But I began to return every year. Sometimes I would go two to three times a year. God blessed me with a great job that would allow me to take off. And I would go, and I would just uh, enjoy the ministry and do what, what God had called me to do. And in 2008, my wife and I, we moved um, to South Africa. All three of my sons have been born in South Africa. It's all they know. They don't know anything else. My, my oldest son's beginning to understand the difference in nationalities and stuff, and he keeps telling me he's South African, not American. He, he loves it there. They love it. So when we moved over, um, we began to look at different types of ministry, but the ministry that, that God, we really feel like and have settled on is God called us to a community. It's on, this, it's on the eastern coast of South Africa, um, and when we, we begin to uh, minister in that community in, in, in many ways, but mostly we started out with, uh, with helping a church get started there. And through that church getting started, we began to see needs that there was in the community, and one of those needs was the poverty. Got a um, very poor area. We, we, see, uh, we see children who, who don't get to eat and uh, don't have parents because HIV is, is a very high rate in that area so so we began to figure out how could we reach out to those and i believe education is is an important thing to see and success come to someone's life i know god used my education to allow me to do a lot more so we began to work with the school systems there and we we began to work with one school called delishlazo and that school has about about 650 kids right now and we begin to serve breakfast every morning for those children this is uh this is not Delishlazo School, this is uh, Ibizani, but uh, same thing. What we do is we go to the schools, and I, I deliver the food. They prepare the breakfast for the kids. So the kids now come early to school because they get something to eat, and we're, we're beginning to see some impact come from them. Right now, we are in four different schools. We're feeding almost 4,000 kids. I'm looking to expand into two more schools to begin to feed. This is... Um, I've, I've, been, I've been up too long. <laughs> this is uh, Dukluwani. It's almost 1,000 children. This is the assembly we do there. Um, same community. All these schools are within five miles of each other. Go to the next slide. This is Tsalima. So once again, about 1,000 children. And then the last one will be the first school we started out of, Delishlazo. Did you do? Did you do one slide before this? Did I miss one? Okay, the first slide she showed then. I must have missed it. Did you have three slides or four? Uh, okay. Maybe I didn't put it on there. But we, we, do, we do four schools now. We're looking to expand it to others. But one of the things that we have started doing is I begin to see um, a way into reach the children so that they begin to be prosperous and have jobs. So we begin to teach how to do small businesses, and we're doing it with the community and into the schools. I'm starting out with the grade sevens and teaching them all the way through high school. 
how to uh, start businesses, and one of those is farming. We're in a rural area, so farming is something natural. And I've been teaching uh, people how to do small chicken farms, how to, how to raise 100 chickens, how to, how to make money off of that and begin to see prosperity come into their life. And it's, it's been incredible to watch how people who used to have nothing now are beginning to, they, they would have a house that's just made out of scrap, whatever they could find to throw together, now able to actually build a proper house. They may not have running water inside, they may not have electricity, but they're able to build a house that, that has a roof and they can stay dry in. And I'm beginning to see this happen in these people's lives. And, and last year, God began to put on my heart to buy a, a farm in the area so I could set it up as a training center. And uh, God, God provided the place. We found the farm. And I, my wife asked me, she said, how are we going to pay for it? I was like, well, if God gave me the dream, he's going he's to bring the money in. So just to give God a big praise on this, we started raising funds for that in August. It ended up being just under $100,000. And uh, last month, we, we paid the farm off in cash. We have no debt. So, you know, God, God does great things in our lives. So we have that set up. We just paid the farm off. But let me show you how God works because it's not where he stops at. So we, we pay it off. Last week, I'm in a meeting with the chief in our community, and the chief there has all power. He, he runs the place. You have, your, you have your municipalities, but in his area, he runs everything. And he had told me that, you know, the things we were doing was great and all. And he said, you know, the, the municipality about 10 years ago built a chicken estuary in our community. That, that's just a slaughterhouse, packaging house, everything he's got to do with processing chicken. And he said, they're doing nothing with it. He said, I'm really impressed with what you've been able to do with the farming. He said, I'm willing to give that to you for you to set up in our community and begin to teach more people how to make money. So now, now we've been able to have that. Now he's given me access to a multi-million dollar operation that we can begin to set up, have more people who can begin to have income through it. Look, when you step out on God's word, God does incredible things in your life. So it's, it's, it's great what we're able to do. I'm thankful for what God's been doing in our life. I'm thankful for what God's going to continue to do in our life. I was telling Pastor Jeremy on the farm, one of the things that I'm building is a guest house. Um, I want people from the U.S. to be able to come over and experience uh, what we're able to do there as well. So, uh, you know, if, if he forgets about it, tell him that you've been invited to come to South Africa. We'd love to have you come, love to have you see what all God is doing and how God is moving in the people's lives there. We've, we've seen incredible fruits from what's, what God's doing. Let, let's, let's take a moment and get into the Word. I want to talk to you this morning about recognizing the incredible goodness of God. Recognizing the incredible goodness of God. And, and what I've found is, although most of us will say that we believe what the Word of God says, and we believe that God can do great things, sometimes we allow our experience to limit who God is. See, see, see our theology should never be hindered by what our experience is. 
See, your experience sometimes may not line up with what the Word of God says, but what the Word of God says is far above what your experience is. And sometimes I've known in my life, maybe, maybe you're not there, maybe you've passed that, but I know in my life there's sometimes that I believe God can do something, I just don't know that He's going to do it for me. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been there where you, where you know God can perform the miracles? It's not that we, we don't understand what the Word of God says. We don't believe, we still believe what the miracles happened. We know God did them, but we're just not certain that He'll do them for us. And what we've done is we've allowed our experience to then begin to lower our theology. See, what the Bible says is true whether you have experienced it or not. And we've got to begin to align ourselves and renew our minds with what the Bible actually says and begin to put ourselves in that. You know, I've, I've heard some people teach that, that salvation is not for the whole world because you've got areas of the world that have not been saved, but the Bible says it is. The Bible says the whole world will come to salvation. The Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. But a lot of times we allow our theology to pull us back. I've talked to people who tell me about their family members. And they've got family members that are beyond being saved. Have you ever heard anybody say that? But you know, that's not what God sees. God sees somebody who he loves. God sees somebody who he, he wants to bring salvation to and change a life. He sees somebody who's hurting. He sees somebody who needs him in their life. We can't allow what we might have seen. It might be the, the worst person we've ever seen, but we can't allow that to affect who God's going to be. God chooses those he wants. It's our job to tell them. You know, I was thinking the other day, sometimes we get in trouble when it comes to, to, to bringing somebody to know God because we try to play the wrong part. You know, Jesus, when he left, he told us to go and tell the world about Jesus. But a lot of times what happens is once we tell him, then we try to do the other part. See, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict but sometimes we want to be the Holy Spirit, and then we want to convict somebody. Because if you're really going to know Jesus, you, got to, you, can't, you can't know Jesus and deal with that in your life. How can you have that and still know? But see, that's not our job to work with that. My job is to teach somebody to know Jesus, to teach somebody to pray, and to teach somebody to worship God. God's job is to clean them up. And see, what happens, legalism comes into somebody's life when I decide I'm going to clean them up. We've got to allow that to happen through God's process, God's timing. Salvation can work for anyone, no matter how bad we think they are. Don't allow what experience you've had to keep that from happening. You know, it's the same thing with financial peace in our life. I work with people all the time who have never had anything. Their mother didn't. Their grandmother didn't. They grew up in a time where there's nothing, and they're, they're stuck in that, but their mind is focused around. But God's Word still says you can have prosperity in your life. See, each one of us, sometimes our theology is controlled by what our experience is, what you grew up with. 
And we can begin to think, well, well, that's not for me. Maybe I'm just supposed to be at, at this level and then somebody else at that level. No, no, no. God has the same purpose and the same promise for each one of us. We've got to begin to step out of what we've been limited in and begin to be all God has called us to be. We've got to begin to step into those things. You know, finances, just, just as I was talking about salvation, a lot of times with finances, one of the things that, that, that hinders us the most, if we grew up with a poverty mentality, which I grew up with, my father left when I was a year old. I had a, had a mother who, tr who tried to raise me. We didn't have a whole lot of money. We had a lot of kids around the house and no money. But I saw God begin to work me out of that and taught me, as I went through university, as I got a degree, as I began to make money, he taught me then how to give to him and how to give to people. I remember when I first began to learn about giving, and I first began to learn about, about blessing other people. I was making pretty good money as an engineer at the time, and my spiritual father, I remember having the conversation with him like it was yesterday. I asked him, I said, how do you know when, when, when you've given too much? You know, how, how do I, you know am, am I blessing too much? You know, am I hurting? How do I know when I'm giving too much? And here's what his answer was, and I, I, I say it to myself over and over. He said, give until it doesn't hurt anymore. Because as long as it hurts, I've still got a love for what I'm giving. But when it stops hurting, then I realize that I've got a love for God. And I'm going to allow what I have in my hands to bless somebody else. You know, last year as, as, as we were raising money to, to buy the, the farm that we bought, one of the things I realized is I'm not going to stop being a giver. So last year as a family, my wife and I gave more than we had before. And I know in, in, in a practical mind you can think, that sounds crazy. But I believe what the Word of God says, give and it will be given to you not hold on to. So the times in my life where it seems like it's the tightest is when I try to give more. Is when I try to step out on what the Word of God says. See, see, our experience can say, no, 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 we got to hold on to it now. But the Word of God can say, no, no, it's time to bless somebody else. I had somebody prophesy over me many years ago and it's been reconfirmed by people who don't even know each other but that prophecy in, in many different ways was stated that I'm going to see millions of dollars come through my hands but I'll never be a millionaire and in turn what it's saying is I've got to learn to keep giving and to keep blessing and you know I believe many of us can be in that same spot as we learn to step out because financial freedom will come to our life in the same thing you know, Philippians tells us that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches, according to what he has. And each one of us, if we can grab a hold of that, it can be a strength in our life. We don't have to worry about, well, what if I, what if I give like God's telling me to? How do I make sure all the other stuff happens? Well, that's his responsibility now. You just got to be obedient to the word. Step out on the word. You know, healing's another thing. A lot of times we can allow our experience to affect our theology when it comes to healings. When I was 19 years old, my mother, actually when I was 18 years old, my mother was diagnosed with liver cancer. And I believed for a healing. Eight months later, my mother died. 
And there was a long time where I struggled with that. And, and me and God had those conversations. But what God kept telling me was, my word says that if you pray for the sick, they'll recover. And as I began to work in my own life on how to deal with that, I began to see that I can't allow that experience to keep me from praying for others. And I've seen people be healed now. I've seen other people's lives be transformed by what I'm doing through that. I still don't understand why, but it's not always for us to know why. It's for us to begin to walk on what God's Word says. Don't, don't allow those things you've seen in your life to keep you pushed back, to keep you from being there. You know, maybe you, maybe you didn't grow up with a great family like I didn't grow up with a great family. But God's Word talks about great families, and I believe there can be great families. I believe we can be great mothers. We can be great fathers. We can live in marriage without having divorce. I believe those things can happen in our life, but we don't have to allow what's happened to us or what we've seen to affect who we are. You know, my father left when I was a year old, and it did affect me. I didn't meet him until I was 19. I only met him three weeks before my mother died because I believe he began to realize that life is short. And my father and I, through, through a long thing, we, we, we reconciled, and I had to forgive him. He never asked for forgiveness, but I had to forgive him because he had freedom in my life. But through that, what I came to was I'm going to make sure my sons have the father that they're supposed to have in their life. And I want to make sure that I can be who I'm supposed to be, not allow what I saw to affect who I am, but allow what the Word of God says so that I can be who God says I should be. We've got to walk in those things. We've got to be those things. Just before I left, I was standing at the gate of the farm with, with Ezra, my, my second son. And just to bring to more reality of who they are, he looked, he looked at me. He says, Daddy, I'm standing like you are. And I was like, you are. He's like, you know why? I said, no, why are you standing like me? He said, because I'm your boy. It brings more reality to my life that I need to be more of who he needs so he doesn't struggle with what I struggled with when I grew up. We've got to look at who does God say we are. Begin to walk on that and not allow what experiences we have to affect where we, where we are. Peace in your life. The Bible talks about peace, but many of us, we may not experience peace. It doesn't mean peace is not there. It means we just haven't experienced it at that time. But I believe God still has peace for your life. He has a joy for your life. You know, when we read the promises of God, and there's so many promises of God as you read through the Bible, but as we read the promises of God, there's actually two parts to those. There's God's part, and then there's our part. Normally, God says, if you will then he will. And normally the problem with the promises of God not being seen in our life is not God's part. It's normally our part. And that's not to make anybody feel like they're, they're less than somebody else. It should make you feel good because all you have to do is begin to do your part and then you can obviously see God do his part in your life. It's simple. What I, what I want to do is talking about the incredible goodness of God. I want to read a passage to you. Pastor Jeremy's already started part of it. In Psalm 145, you got your Bibles? 
Psalm 145, I'm going to read a big portion here. In verse 3, it says, The Lord, you are great. You are worthy of praise. No one can completely understand how great you are. Parents will praise your works to their children. They will tell about your mighty acts. They will speak about your glorious majesty. I will spend time thinking about your miracles. They will speak about the powerful and wonderful things you do. I will talk about the great things you have done. Verse 7, they will celebrate your great goodness. They will sing with joy about your holy acts. The Lord is gracious. He is kind and tender. He is slow to get angry. He is full of love. The Lord is good to all. He shows deep concern for everything he has made. Verse 10, Lord, every living thing you have made will praise you. Your faithful people will praise you. They will tell about your glorious kingdom. They will speak about your power. Then all the people will know about the mighty things you have done. They will know about the glorious majesty of your kingdom. Verse 13, your kingdom is a kingdom that will last forever. Your rule will continue for all time to come. The Lord is faithful. He will keep his promises. He is loving toward everything he has made. The Lord takes good care of those who fall. He lifts up those who feel helpless. Every living thing looks to you for food. You give it to them exactly when they need it. You open your hand and satisfy the needs of every living creature. The Lord is right in everything he does. He is loving toward everything he has made. The Lord is ready to help all of those who call out to him. He helps those who really mean it when they call out to him. He satisfies the needs of those who have respect for him and hears the cry and saves them. You know, you read that passage, and as I read that, it's an incredible passage. But I know many times reading that, as times where I go through struggles and things that I'm going through, I don't always understand that. I don't always understand when I'm going through a season where, where I'm not living the life I know I should be living. And maybe I've gotten busy and I've forgotten to spend time with God. Or maybe I, I feel pressure around the house and, and, and I know that I haven't been the person I should be, the husband I should be to my wife or the father I should be to my children. And I've been treating in, in wrong ways. And I see those things in my life and then I read back on what the Word of God says about how he still loves us. You know, it brings me to the point where I want to be all God wants me to be. I don't want to do it because I'm afraid that God is going to discipline me or God is going to treat me bad. I do it because I realize how much he loves me. How much he loves you. See, as I was growing up, not having a father in my life and not understanding those relationships in my life, there was many times where I would push relationships away. Not because I did not want that relationship in my life, but I wanted to know if they would fight through my rejection to have that relationship. See, sometimes when we've been hurt, we put walls up. And we put that wall up because we don't want to get hurt again. It's not that we don't want to have the relationship with that person, but we want to know 
are they willing to commit to having the relationship without hurting again? And it can happen in any situation. It can happen with friends. It can happen with husbands and wives who've been, who've been divorced. It can happen through children who didn't have a father or a mother. Any type of hurt like that, we can begin to put those things in our life that will keep us from that. And, and, and look, sometimes it's, it's something we do consciously. Sometimes it's subconscious. We don't even realize it. I didn't realize it was happening in my life until I wondered what, what happened to those relationships. And then I've had to look at my life and say, no, I'm not going to allow myself to mess up relationships because of what I experienced. I'm going to be who God says that I'm supposed to be. And each one of us, we've got to begin to look what is happening in our life and begin to take responsibility for it. See, I could have looked at myself and I could have said, well, I've got a reason that I don't want a relationship. I could tell you that, that I didn't know my father. I could tell you all the stuff about who he was and who he wasn't. And I could have blamed everything on him, which I did for many years. But when I began to have freedom is when I said, you know what? It's really not about him at all. It's really about me. I've got to deal with that. I've got to break free from that. Now, I told you I forgave my father. My father never asked for forgiveness, but I realized if I'm ever going to move forward, I've got to forgive him. And I actually had a great relationship with my father when he passed. I preached at his funeral. But it took me getting past my experience to release God's word into my life. Let me give you some points as, as we're going. I, I want to take the passage we just read, break it down a little bit, give you some points out of it. I think I've got seven, eight, 32. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've got seven points. And the, fir the first one is simply this. The first one is no matter how great we can imagine God to be, he's far greater. You know, your mind can never wrap around who God really is. Out of, out of, out of Psalm 145, verse 3, I'm going to read to you out of the message version. It says, God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. There are no boundaries to his greatness. No matter how great you think God can be, no matter how much you believe God has already done in your life, no matter how great you believe God is going to do things in your life, he's got far greater things planned. Even your ability to imagine the greatness about him limits who God is. He can do far more. Don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for anything less. God has incredible things for your life. Don't allow your experiences to affect your future. God has great things planned. Look at what Psalm 147 says. He counts the stars and calls them by name. How great he is. His power is absolute. His understanding is unlimited. Our God's greatness is far greater. than it, The dreams I have, the things I see that God wants to do, the imagination I have, the things that I try to dream about, and then I realize I'm still limiting God. As crazy as I can dream, as big as I want to see God do something, God says, no, no, I'm still greater than that. 
God's greater than anything that we can begin to think. Look at number two. God is patient with us because of the incredible love he has for us. Out of verse 8, verse 8 says this, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love. God is patient with us because of his incredible love for us. See, once again, if, if, if you're like me, I'm, I'm not always the most patient person. I was talking to my oldest son, Isaiah, it's been a few months ago, and Isaiah was asking me, he says, Daddy, are superheroes patient? And I said, well, I assume they are. You know, he's a superhero. He's got superpowers. He, he's probably patient. And he just kind of looked away and, you know, and I thought, and you, know, you never ask the question you don't want the answer to. I said, Isaiah, am I patient? He said, no. I said, well, you know, it's probably something Daddy needs to work on. See, a lot of times in our life, we kind of relate to God what we've experienced even when it comes to patience. Maybe it's even who we are. There's a lot of times I want to get stuff done and stuff done now, and I can get upset even with my children with their dragging their feet or not cleaning the room when they should be, and my patients aren't what I expected or I know that they should be. But when I'm praying to God, and I believe in God for things, and I know that I've messed up, and I know that I haven't grown, and I know that it's been 10 years and you're still dealing with the same thing in my life, I believe God is going to be as impatient with me as I am with somebody in my life. But he's not. He says he has perfect patience. He's not looking just to discipline you. He's not looking to, to bang you on the head. I grew up in one of, those, one of those hell, fire, and brimstone churches. And I believe that every time you messed up, God was going to take a big bat and smack you with it. That's what, that's what I was taught. And I'm not, I'm not trying to entice living however you want to. I'm enticing trying to love God the way he wants you to love him. See, God is patient with you. He loves you. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, we talked about salvation earlier, and some of us, maybe we've given up on people. God's never given up on them. He said, I'm still patient. Doesn't matter what they've done. Doesn't matter how far they've gone. It matters what he's done. See, I don't believe anybody can sin enough that the blood of Jesus can't wash it clean. I don't believe anybody can mess up enough that Jesus can't still set them free. I believe when we look at somebody and we think, oh, they're, they're too far gone now. We're limiting how powerful that blood was. We're limiting how powerful what happened on the cross really is. You know, here, here's the thing with salvation. Not, not only does God deal with what you've done, he's going to deal with everything that's happened. I, I remember when, when I was in university, I think, I think a lot of times all of us have some rebellious spells in our life where we didn't follow God the way we should have. Um, I, I did anyway. 
Maybe you all walked perfect and you didn't have those spells. But I had those times in my life where I didn't really follow God the way I knew I should have. And I remember when I got to university, and really, really it was at Christ the Rock, and I began to give my, give my life to God. I remember going up, and it seemed like every Sunday I was praying and asking, God, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And, and I remember specifically God one time spoke into my ear real quietly, and he says, I don't know what you're talking about. And he brought that verse to my mind. I've separate your sins as far from you as the east is from the west. He said, when I look at you, all I see is the blood of Jesus. Do you know when God looks at you now, all he sees is the blood of Jesus. You may be saying, well, you, you, know, I, you don't know what I did last night. It doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus has already covered it. It doesn't matter who you, whatever those things are in your life. Yes, I want to encourage you. Get with God. Let God work those out in your life. But it doesn't change how he sees you. All he sees is the blood sacrifice that's covered it all. He sees righteousness when he looks at you. God's patient with us. Number three, God is perfectly good all the time and in every way. God is perfectly good all the time and in every way. Verse 9, of the, uh, 145, it says, The Lord is good to everybody. He showers compassion onto all of his creation. God loves us. He wants good for us. See, sometimes it's hard for us to understand because we don't see that in somebody else. But God says it doesn't change who he is. He still loves you. Look at what Psalm uh, 103 says. It says, let all that I praise, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. You know, I've, I've dealt with understanding why I should deserve good things in my life. But you know, God's got good things for you. God hasn't cut off his blessings in your life because of what you've done. God says, I've still got good things. And it's not that he's limited the good things. He says he's still got the same good things he had from the very beginning. He's still got incredible dreams, incredible visions, incredible purpose for your life. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what other people say about you. God still has something great for your life. Do you know there's times... That, that, I, that I talk to people and we, we begin to see ourselves as what other people say about us. And you know, I don't know where it's come from, but I speak to young ladies all the time. I, I, I didn't even bring this up on the front side, but we do a lot of work uh, with women who are in prostitution, who are caught in all of those things. We're, we're actually in our community right now. We're helping set up a rescue for those ladies. But I talk to women who are so broken 
because of what they've been told. And I, I don't I don't know where it comes from, but at some point people have decided to tell to tell ladies that you know you're, you're not as attractive, or you need to change this about you, or or you, you need to you need to change that about you, or maybe you're too too heavy, or maybe you're too thin, or maybe you're this, or maybe you're that, or your hair should be this color, or your skin should be that color, or, or whatever it might be. And I've noticed it, it, it's with men as well, but I've noticed so much with ladies. That, that, that we get stuck in that. And, and, and I want to tell you this morning, when God looks at you, all he sees is beauty. You know, when God looks at you, he sees his beautiful daughters that he's made. You know, the Bible tells us this. When God was creating everything in Genesis, you can go back and look at it, God was talking about creating things, and every time he created something, what did he say? It is good. Now, if you go back and look at the Hebrew of that and begin to drive it down, that good actually means it's in a perfected state. He created it perfect. And do you know when God created you? He looked back and he said, it's good. Do you know when God created each one of you? He said, it's good. And I'm speaking to the ladies more because I know women struggle with this so much God looks at you and says you're beautiful maybe some of you ladies haven't been told in a while but I want to tell you this morning you're beautiful don't allow what somebody else might have said in your life to affect who you are I speak to women all the time who are, who are caught in drugs and stuff because somebody told them something about them. That's how they cover it up. I talk to women who, who cut themselves and abuse themselves because they're trying to cover up and hurt themselves for who they believe that God created, which he didn't. He created somebody beautiful. I talk to women who are caught in prostitution because they feel like that's what they're worth. And God says, no, you're worth far more. God created you, and he sees you, and he thinks you're beautiful. Here's one of the things that I find that I believe there's such an attack on women and such an attack on the, the morale of women. I believe God has an incredible purpose for women in this day because whatever Satan sees God's purpose in, he's attacking it. And I believe God has a purpose for women. He's trying to get women to not see themselves as God does so you won't fulfill the purpose. But I want to tell you, God has something great for your life. One of the things I've, I've, I've realized as I've worked through things in my life is it's not so much about the what as it is the why. See, so, let, let, let me explain what I'm talking about. In church, we see people who are doing things. Maybe they're into drugs. Maybe they're into alcohol. Maybe, maybe it's ladies who, who sleep around with men a lot, whatever it might be. And we look at the what, and we try to correct the what, but we never look at why the what's there. And really, the why is what's important. What you do is not important. It's the why behind it. And if we can begin to look at ourselves, that's why I had to look at myself. Why sometimes do I push people away and not allow people to come into my life? Why do I put up a front that tells somebody to stay away? 
And then I realized into my life, here's what happened. Now I've got to deal with the why behind the what. And for many of us, we've got to look and say, why am I behaving in the way I am? Then we can deal with it. But ladies, I want to tell you, God believes that he created you perfect. doesn't matter what somebody else says. God created you perfect the way you are. And if somebody else tells you otherwise, they're lying. Their experience hasn't lined up with what the Word of God says yet. Don't let their experience affect who you are. I got off track from my notes at that point. Let me see if I can put it. Um, l- let me read a verse to you out of Numbers 20, 23 right now. God is like people. He tells no lies. When he says something, he does it. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. Many of us, we've had promises in our life. We've had dreams in our life. You've had things that you've wanted to do. And, and, and sometimes we, we, we don't see them happening right now. And some of us, we've taken those dreams and those promises and we've kind of pushed them back in the back. Some of us, we forgot about the dream and the promise even being there. But I believe this morning, God's beginning to remind you of that dream and the promise he put into your heart so many years ago. And I believe God is saying this morning, it's time to bring it back to the front. It's time to put it back where it should be. It should be the center of what our life is. Number five. God lifts us when we stumble and fall. Out of verse 14, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by their hand. You know, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you've done, each one of us, we're going to stumble, we're going to fall, we're going to have those times where things don't feel like what we should know that they should be. I want to tell you, God is right there to help you. But you know what God doesn't want you to do is lay there and just wallow in that falling. God wants to bring you to something greater. He wants to pull you up out of that. I've had failures in my life, and sometimes I look at failures and I think, it's a failure. But when you look at how God thinks about it, God says, no, I'm birthing something out of it. Whatever God brings to an end, he's going to start something new. And it'll probably be bigger than what was ever there. Let me me give you another one. Um, when, when, when I first moved to South Africa, we actually started a church. And the church grew very quickly, and uh, we got into a very violent area of the city. We were working right down in the uh, most dangerous part of South Africa. In the church, uh, through a series of things, we began to have some violence inside the church. My wife got beat up. We had to close the church down. And for me, that was failure. And I'll be honest, it took me a long time to wrap my mind around why did this have to happen. And as God began to deal with me about it, with all that I was doing, all that I was going through, all all the brokenness I had, God began to ask me in my life, 
If that was failure, then what was success? And if you look at the Word of God, the only thing God wants us to do to be successful is obey Him. And I told God, God, I obeyed you in doing it. He's like, well, it wasn't a failure, then it was a success. Now, out of everything that happened with that, God's birthed everything that we're able to do right now. So, yeah, the church grew. We had about 400 people that, that we were able to minister to, but now I'm able to minister to over 4,000. Just in our area, uh, we're also building preschools about four hours south. I just finished up number 24. Uh, we built 24 preschools in the last 10 months. Um, just south of there, I just built the 24th one. We're taking care of about another 4,000 kids in that area. So I look at what God has opened through what I considered a failure. God now is looking at, look at how much more we can do. When you stumble and fall, God is still there to hold you up. Number six, God alone satisfies the deep desires in our heart. That's out of verse uh, 15 and 16 of, of, of that same, same passage in Psalm 104 we read. But look, look at Psalm 103, what it says here. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with good. And the last one in, 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 in number seven, God is always close to any person who calls upon his name. If you ever feel alone, if you ever feel like there's nobody else with you, God says, I'm right there. As soon as you call on my name, I'm right there. Psalm 145, this is what it says in verse 17. Um, it says, the Lord is fair in everything he does and full of kindness. He is close to all who call on him sincerely. He fulfills the desires of those who reverence and trust him and hears their cries for help and rescues them. He protects all those he loves. God is faithful to his promises. There's an incredible faithfulness that God has for each one of us. There's an incredible faithfulness that God has for your life. And I believe, there, I believe there's some of us this morning that's dealt with a lot of discouragement, that's dealt with a lot of hurt. Maybe it's just little things that we need to adjust in our mind. But I believe God wants you to know this morning that he's got far greater things than what you experience for yourself. Don't allow your experience to affect the theology of who God is. He's got great things. He's got great things planned for each one of us. If we could just bow our heads and close our eyes, I want to I pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for each person in here. God, I thank you for the plans, the dreams, the visions, for everything you have for each one of their lives. But God, more so, I want you to just break off those boundaries, those things that keeps them from seeing you clearly. God, those experiences in their lives that keep us from seeing you the way you truly are, God, I just want you to just break that out of their life.
You know, I know this, this morning, I believe God is really the one to set some people free. And I, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I would love to pray with you this morning. While we're just, while we're just all just praying together and just, and just, and just sitting in the presence of God. I, I just feel an incredible presence of God here to just break free. If you're here this morning, and maybe you've dealt with those, those struggles from your own experience, those experiences in your life that, that keep you from truly stepping out on everything God has for you, I want to pray for you this morning. So just as, just as we're, we're worshiping God, I just, I just want to ask you, just simply just come up here, and, and I just want to be able to pray with you this morning and just allow God to break you free. I believe there's people here that are tired of being stuck and ready to see all God has for your life. So just, just, as, just as the worship team's playing right now, I just want I just want to encourage you just 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 come and I, I'll I'll pray for you now. We've got somebody coming so you don't have to be first. We give you the highest praise. We 
Just lift up your voices.
Father, I just thank you for each person, God. God, I thank you for those dreams and those visions and those plans. And God, I thank you for those new birth dreams. And God, we just, we just rebuke anything that's ever been said over any of us today. That's not your word. God, we embrace who you are for our life. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for this church and for these people. Father, I thank you for, for the pastors. Thank you for Jeremy. I thank you for Haley. God, I thank you for the dream they have. And God, we just ask you to, to continue to move in that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let, let, me, let me say one thing, uh, Jeremy, just as, as we were worshiping early. I felt God say that he's got a dream and a purpose for your life that's not like what somebody else has. Don't compare yourself. Walk out on the vision God gave you because he's got people in this community to reach that only you can. Don't try to be like somebody else. Be who he created you to be. Praise God. Can we give God honor and glory this morning? Give him thanks. All the way from South Africa, God brings a right now message for our life. That ought to tell you something. God knows your name. God knows you. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. God will bring to you a stranger, now a friend and a brother and a comrade in Christ, to just let you know God's thinking about you. First love, Africa. Bringing hope to broken and hurting people through love. I appreciate your heart, Greg. Your, I can tell just your compassion for people, man. People are drawn to compassion. People are drawn to compassion. Thank you for being compassionate here in our church today, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad for that? 